Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Well, here we are on lockdown. How are you? It's Booker of the Perez Hilton Podcast with Chris Booker. We get it. We know you're bored. We're still doing shows. We're keeping you up to date with everything entertainment. A little bit of relief from everything that's going on in the world. You could get the show on Spotify. You could get it on your Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app. Whatever you do, download and subscribe and get the PHP, the Perez Hilton Podcast with Chris Booker. And everything that's entertainment will be covered. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Of course, keep uh, the wind and the sails of that pirate ship. We appreciate it very, very much. And uh, do check out drdrew.tv. We're doing some interesting streaming shows there and uh, interesting guests as well. And drdrew.com for After Dark and all the other pods we have there. Let me get right to our guest. He is one of our favorites, of course. It is none other than Vinny Tordrich. You can follow Vinny at his web- website, vinnytordrich.com. Also, a podcast, Fitness Confidential, available wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcast. But we're here to talk about Beyond Impossible. You can pre-order it now on iTunes, the world of plant-based meat replacement products. Uh, this is a really interesting territory. The the uh, the documentary will be streaming on Amazon Prime. It's available on Blu-ray, DVD, on demand. It debuted at number one in documentaries and top ten overall on iTunes and Apple TV. Vinny, congratulations. This is awesome. Uh, thanks, Drew. It's, you know, I, whenever someone says, you know, to me, if I go to a dinner party, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I always say I'm a fitness trainer because that's all I've ever known. Mm. And uh, then, you know, the night will carry on and I'll say, well, you know, when I did my second documentary and they'll say, what do you mean documentary? Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, after my book came out, they're like, well, what do you mean book? But I never think of myself as a two-time author or now a three-time filmmaker because yeah. it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, so right? so I, I relate to what you're saying. We'll get into the documentary in a second, but I, what you're saying I relate to so strongly. I told my son the other day because I had hired him to do some social media. I said, you got to understand something. As somebody who toiled in hospitals for 30 years from 5 in the morning till 10 at night, that was work. That was work. I think of work as this invested per unit time, rigorous, engaged. The idea that I could go home and do a streaming show or come here and do a podcast and then build a business out of that, I told him, I said, I can't can't get my head around that. I'm in denial about it. So the fact that we have like a family business, I, I can't, I can't. I can't. I can't hold it in my head. Is that you kind of feel like that? Is it that kind of thing? That that's exactly the feeling. Yeah. You know, look. I, I mean, my entire life, I, I did one thing. Yeah. Serena did one thing. Now yeah. we work together. If Isn't that weird? Said, it is. It's almost like we're going back to the late 1800s, where the husband and wife <laughs> lived in the same house and worked on the farm together. Yeah, right. And, but but know, how do we and, how do we understand it? In terms of what we're creating, it's not we're not growing crops. We're like sending stuff out into the electronic biosphere <laughs> to the cloud. Things go to the cloud. I guess it, that's it, it. That's the new economy. I, what the hell? It is, but it's either do that or not make a living. Right. You know, right. I, as, I, let me ask you this: yeah. Do you find that whenever you're not doing a social media project that you would just get as far away from a computer and phone as you can, or do you still have that phone in your hand? 
I like to be away from – oh, Gary's going to tell me. It's, it's a no. Uh, go on. Well, my problem is I have patient emails all day. So I have to – I can't really stop that. So the phone is something I'm kind of looking at. Uh, and I – I hate social media. I really do hate it. It's disgusting. That I believe. No, no, that yeah. I that I do believe. I'm but you're right and that's a very valid point. You have to be there for your patients. Yeah. So it's rare to see Drew more than a few feet from his phone. Yeah, so so I literally what I tell everybody in my life is I check emails every 10 minutes. That's what I do. That's why I never almost never call or text you. I'll just email yeah. you. And, and how long does it take me to respond? Ten, if it's ten. a half hour, I'm right. concerned. Right. It's, so it's, it's, it's every 10 quick. minutes. And if it's if I put it off, I put it off to one of the other rounds I'm making through the emails because I'm doing something immediate. But yeah, I, I, that's part. And by the way, vastly superior to carrying a pager and all the shit I did all those years. So I don't mind it myself. But you're right, Vinny. It, it's the the phone look uh my son last night no tonight is giving a, a a presentation on a paper he wrote about the the deleterious effects of social media and he without my prompting said you know i think i'm going to tell them it's like tobacco like we're going to look at this like tobacco or maybe even heroin but even in its in its, in its sort of toned down influence it's tobacco at the minimum and so yeah that's exactly what it is it's a, it's a, it's I'd a, make an argument thing. that it's way worse than tobacco because yeah. we, you know, <clears throat> we look. When I was a kid, before they were talk, espousing the, the horrible effects of tobacco, right? Yeah. Everyone smoked when we were kids. Yeah, you know, we knew it was bad for us. Yeah. People walk around. I saw a mother and her two daughters. They walked right in front of me in a parking lot, mm. but they walked in front of me in your it car, was like not, in front of your yeah, car. Yeah, in my car. Yeah. I was in my car and. It was like mother duck looking at a phone and then the three <laughs> little daughters behind her yeah. looking at the phone. Walking in front of the car. Walking it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm in a, a four, what was the car weigh? Three tons? I'm in a 6,000 pound vehicle here and yeah, no yeah. one even looked up. It's funny yeah, that, that just just our 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 nonchalance around cars is something Corolla has mentioned many many times. Is we should be paying a, we should be a lot more afraid of those things than many of the other things we worry about out in our world. But yeah, okay. You know, to, to the point, let me just say this, Drew, and then we can move on because yeah. you know, yada yada did a movie. Great. And no, I want to get into it. I want to get your – because first of all oh, – okay, we'll, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, we'll get into it. Let yeah. me just say this. You know, I was just telling Gina Grab this last night. Mm. Every year for my New Year's resolution, I'm always giving up something. My entire life is like, you know, you know, most times I'll do like NSNG, as they call it now, NSNG AF. I will not touch – not even a one glass of wine, mm. not cake for my birthday or whatever. I'll just go the whole year and do it. I've done that several times, kind of a solidarity thing for people who follow low carb. I want them to know that I'm right there with them. Um, I, I Every year I'll give up something. This year I'm not giving up anything. Yeah. This year I'm building a cedar strip kayak Ooh. from scratch. Wow. And I'm not even buying the cedar strips. I'm buying planks of cedar. I'm cutting the strips myself. Oh my God. I'm, I'm taking it from as close as I can get from, from a tree to a finished kayak. Oh my God. Because, you know, we, we can't just go through life, you know, doing this with our thumbs. We, we've, we've, I see. So you want to, you want to get back, you, you want to get as far away from the electronic media as possible, which is back to, Yes, survival. And, and, you know, and it all started because you're going to be a survivalist soon. 
You're gonna be. You're gonna. No, it's gonna I'm be not, the I'm Revenant not, too. Vinny Torres. I'm not going there. I'm not. I'm not becoming you know <laughs> one of those guys. But I can tell you this: it started because I bought this property uh, and and it was in disarray. The people that had this beautiful home, but it's great bones, but it was it was coming apart because he was old and he had dementia. And what well, tell you. people where you are. You're in Virginia, right? I live in in Central Virginia yeah. now. Yeah. Um. So. The backyard was basically a jungle. It was like an acre of jungle back there. And when I hired a yard guy, you know, one of these hotsy-totsy companies, I said, listen, I know there are snakes back there. I have a pool. I will never use that pool, but I've invited every neighbor Mm. to come and use that pool. Uh. So please, I I want that backyard wiped out. Sure thing, Mr. Vinny. We'll get it done. Nothing got done. Oh, I'm writing big checks every month. Why not? Well, you know, he's doing other stuff. He's planting grass in the front. He's putting shrubs over here. He's doing uh-huh. all this stuff, and I'm seeing these big bills. Uh-oh. And then every time Serena's like, yeah, it's another 1000 bucks. And I look out the backyard, and I even said to him one time, I said, Kenny, I'm seeing black snakes everywhere. I'm okay with black snakes. They're not going to hurt me, but if there's black snakes, there's got to be at the, the very least copperheads and rattlesnakes. I, I've studied the area. We have copperheads and rattlesnakes. Well, all of a sudden, I'm in my backyard with a shotgun shooting copperheads. Oh, Jesus. And after copperhead number three, well, I can't lie, the third one I didn't shoot, it was in my front yard. I felt weird about walking out there with a shotgun, so I went out with a shovel and chopped his head off. And I said, okay, Kenny, Kenny came over. I said, Kenny. Which part of the not becoming the revenant were you talking about? <laughs> how, are you, how are you not becoming that guy? I'm pretty close. <laughs> Tell me again that you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there, but the bottom line is, I said, Kenny. I, I love you, brother. You come over for, for a drink whenever you want, but you're fired. Mm. And I just went crazy in my backyard. I I, I chewed up everything. I How got did you protect yourself against snakes as you went in? Just wear big just, boots or something? This is where I'm going to sound like yeah. the Revenant. But yeah. <laughs> I was back there chopping yeah. with the shotgun right next to me. Oh, <laughs> so I'm in the backyard, and I'm always going, Where, where's my shotgun? You know, you can go, where's the shovel? Where did I put the rake? With the shotgun, as I moved, the shotgun moved. Fair enough. And we found a lot of snakes along the way. Nothing I had to kill because they were all black snakes and everything else. Um, not to lie. But we saw, we, I killed one more snake in that whole thing. But when you're coming and you're chopping and you have chainsaws out, they run for the hills. Sure, you know sure. they they see what's up. And did you clear it out, Drew? I will send you a video later showing you my neighbor's side of the property and my side. You go, know, okay, this guy's a lunatic. Meaning you, me, not him. What I did, I I totally wiped. I, it I out. can't wait to see I, it. I'm, I'm excited. I want to see it. I'm going to send it to Gary right now while we're doing this podcast. Right. You can watch right. it while we're doing the podcast. Right. I, I did this little video for my mom because she wanted to see how my property was coming. But we can move on to the movie. Well, while before I'm the movie, I have one video. last question. You said something curious that you're never yeah. going to use your pool. Why? I'm just <clears> – this is going to sound weird, Drew, but I, I'm not a pool guy. Um <laughs> My entire life, you know, it, it was one of these things where if if I had time on my hands, I was working out. You know, I, I didn't have time for the pool. The pool meant you have time to relax. That's the way I feel about golf. Oh, 
I don't know about that, but I I do the pool thing for Vinny tracks. I think Vinny would use a a pool if he had one of those ones that like forces resistance where you can just swim in place. But a still body of water does not seem to me to be Vinny's jam. I I get that, but I I still, but why is golf, why is golf different for you? That's exactly what golf is for me. I can't imagine golfing. I mean, at least you're walking around for four hours. Can't imagine it. Can't even imagine it. I'm not saying, I'm just saying there's more, there's more, at least some. Some movement, exercise some built in. Well, it. I mean, you have to rest eventually, and why not rest it? You know, on the steps well, of your pool I, I, or poolside. I, I wake up every morning early, yeah, and kind of like golf, I go to the skeet range and I practice for an, you know, an hour and a half or so, and then I start my day because I compete. So that's mm-hmm. my sport. Mm. If I have time, you see, skeet's a sport. Yeah. Cycling, when I do that, is a sport. Kayaking is a sport. I get it. If I got time to sit by a pool, yeah. I got too much time on my hands. Does your, I, does your I, wife do give it. you shit about that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She says that she, she complains that I never take a day off. Yeah. She that sounds like something a wife would complain about. Yeah. I, I mean, look behind me. I'm in my office. There, there's a squat rack. Yeah. Right here. If I can reach another foot, two feet, I would be touching my spinner. And three feet beyond that is a rowing machine. How old are you now? Over here is all my dumbbells. I'm 59. 60. It, it, the, the, the intensity, you, you can't keep it up. I'm telling you. You try. You should. You should do everything you can. But you, we'll talk again in a couple of years see if it's changed any. Because that, that – No, it, it's changing slowly, but I have ooh, to – Ooh, there it is. If, Fantastic. What? You're, he put, he's putting up your video. So I kept trying to get people well, to audio. clear my yard. As a matter of fact, I was paying a yard guy, and every month I would get extremely high bills. And I kept saying, hey, when are you going to clear out my backyard? And he goes, oh, we're getting there, Mr. Vinny. We're getting there. By the way, my backyard used to look like this right here. Wow. That's a portion of the neighbor's backyard. Yeah. You can see how it's all overgrown. What's with the fire? This What's side going on here? <laughs> just like that side. Yeah, burnt piles and everything. What is, the, what is that, a compost? What are you doing? What's the fire? Oh, that was uh, everything from railroad ties that I dug up in this yard from, I guess they had something else going on to oh branches that I cut. Oh. I had fires going every day. I mean, uh, how do you remove all this stuff? I get it. He's burning. You know, I just, I, I had big burn piles. I had like three big burn piles. And they let you do that in Virginia. Think about that. And no one, no yeah. one cared. Now you, no one, you've got that uh, fence. Did you build that fence too? Uh, you can see where I fixed. Uh, I saw that. You know, the yeah, I little saw that. pieces of it because yeah. it was rotted out. Uh, I also had to put um, because I have dogs. Yeah, I put some wire is. in between. Oh uh, yeah, that fence. I'm going to end up redoing the whole thing, but we. It was one of those. I'm I'm moving in. I have dogs. Yeah, I need to do something today. Yeah. Um, but I like the old rustic fence. I'm trying to figure out how to keep get the rest of the fence as ru- rustic as that. Uh. Um, and then I'm going to knock that fence out because I have another whole yard. I do archery too, Drew. And um, <laughs> I can have of course you do. almost 100. I can almost have 100 yards of, of range. Wow. You know, I do Olympic style archery. You know, the ones you see. Wait, I'm you confused. Know, you, have, you have a neighboring yard you use? I, what? What? Or you no, have no. A- I have my yard. Yeah. I, I can I could get 100 yards. I could get 75 to 80 yards out of my yard. The one we were just archery. looking at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, I have a lot of property here. Not, not as much as I wanted. I wanted more property. Um, but this is what I have and this is what I have to work with right now. 
All right, let's yeah. get into the movie. Uh, not only did I find the subject matter fascinating, I, I really enjoyed how much Vinny there was in it. I, I liked you stepping up, commentating on the vast majority of what we were watching. That really worked for me. I, I, I feel like in Fat, you relied on some of the other people more, uh, and that in this one, we got full Vinny. Am I right about that? Uh, you are, and the reason being is uh, I was trying to keep the story straight. Yeah. Right? I just wanted to say, and you got to understand, Drew, I've put out three documentaries in three years. Mm. And think about that. Corolla has a group of people in a whole warehouse, and he's not putting out that amount of content that fast. So in order to do that, this is not any kind of slight on, on Corolla and, and company, but to do that, you have to be lean and mean. Mm-hmm. So. I, I had to write out a script, and then I flew to California, got a crew, and shot every – I shot all of my scenes. Whenever I have the, uh, the, the beige-looking shirt on, that was all shot in one day. Hmm. Did, and you then, have a, did you have a prompter, or did you just have sort of bullets, and you got up there and talked? It's all, it's all just me. So no prompter? And no prompter. Wow. I've, I can't read off of a prompter. It, it moves too fast for me. I, I know my subject. I know what I want to say, and yeah. I would look at my notes and then say it. I, I'm not surprised because that um, that kind of comes across. You're, you're, that you're, it's Vinny telling us a story, uh, and, and I, I really thought it worked extremely. I'm not kidding. I, it's not just I like you. I just thought this really works. It works. So the story. Talk to us about the story that they're going to hear when they go download the the doc. Yeah, you know, I went down this road where I was trying to, you know, I, I saw this fake meat coming out, and I saw that the fast food restaurants were getting into it. And it, it, it was puzzling to me because as soon as I looked at the ingredients, I went, well, wow, this is a group of people that's saying this is healthier, yet this is just processed junk. You might as well, I can make an argument that an Oreo cookie is healthier than these Beyond patties, do it and, and these, do it. You know, all the stuff. Do that. Do, make do that, what? Make that case. Right now? Yeah. <laughs> well, Gary, pull up both both ingredients, and I will. I don't have okay. it sitting in front of all me, right. but if you can, you can look at it, and you would go, okay. Because because this is I, what I, what I find fascinating about that statement is we you know I am an I am a disciple of the no carb world. Uh, and here we are, two no carb people, and you're going to make the case that the possible meat is, you know, as bad as an Oreo for us, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. That's crazy. So, so, and then you, you know, I was looking at politicians during the last election, and they were all going, "Well, we we need to cut more meat out." New York started doing meatless Mondays, and it's like, wait, our policymakers are behind this kind of stuff. Yeah, there's something going on here. So I just kept looking deeper and deeper, and and I'm not a climate denier at all. Yeah, I think we have problems. We have too much CO2 in the atmosphere. We have a problem. But when you look at cattle, I just started seeing all these anomalies that just you know, just didn't fit for me. You know, a, a cow's methane stays in the air for 10 years. When a car belches something, it stays in the air for thousands of years. Yeah. So what's the real problem? You know, one is regenerative and the other one is not. And, uh, and I started looking, you know, it's like most of the stuff is made in China. Most, most of the ingredients from in, these impossible meats and beyond meats are made in China. And then they have to be shipped here. 
and that takes diesel fuel to get it here. And then we have to manufacture it and then we have to put it out. So it's like, okay, who's hurting the planet more? Right. A cow or you? And the answer is you. So I don't want to hear argument about atmosphere. I don't want to hear an argument about health. Okay, we're looking at um, uh, all right, so when we look at the ingredients uh, I can barely see it, Gary, but it says wheat, coconut oil, what does it say after that? Potato protein. This is for the impossible burger. Uh. Um, what comes out of it? Natural flavor. Whenever you see natural flavors, right. You know, it's time to run and hide. Right. Who knows what that is? It's like right. it's like it's like uh, what do they call it when somebody has a ingredient, the proprietary ingredients? It's like a proprietary ingredient. Yeah, you you can you could call anything natural flavors. Gary, right. what's the word next to it? I can't even read it. I think he's in another room. So he's not near a mic. Oh, there that was like Lima Globin or something like that. I'm sorry. I'm trying to zoom in on this picture. It's just not cooperating over mm-hmm. Zoom. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, they have in parentheses, I think soy, and then there's yeast extract, salt, soy protein. Whenever you see soy in any product Uh at all, Uh it's an abomination. You know, people yell about GMOs, right? Uh That same group yells about GMOs. 90% of all soy being sold around the world is sold by a company called Monsanto. Uh So there's a GMO right in your product. So, hey, vegans. Start yelling about, you know, GMOs. Soy, yeah. Well, that's the that's crazy why. thing. These, the religious, the religiosity in all of this misses the facts, right? Because your religious yeah. purview blinds you to looking objectively about things because there's a religious sort of fervor about it. Yeah. Soy, GMO, good. And then there's usually, isn't there some sort of fungus or, or mushroom or something in these things usually? Uh, I, you would have to put it back up. No, oh, you know, sorry. We would have to look at it. Um, and these impossible meats. I remember I had one once like at a, uh, umami burger and I was like, what is this? And they started telling me, I was like, oh boy, I, how do I know that's not creating a carcinogen or something on the server? I, you know, it's such, it was such exotic plant. <laughs> it was like mushroom. It was a weird, weird <laughs> set of fungi. And I'm like, this is weird chemicals. This is playing with organic chemistry a bit. It is. Uh, And by the way, now it breaks down into, I can see it better, soy protein isolates, again, bad. Konjac gum. Konjac is another way that they derive. uh, uh, You'll see that in a lot of keto projects, uh, uh, keto foods. They'll say konjac. That's another, you know, just wheat style product. It's it's a a carbohydrate. And then you go into the xanthan gums and blah, 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 blah. Now that's, that's the ingredient of something that they're telling you is healthy. Yeah. Now, Gary, do you have uh, an Oreo cookie? There's going to be probably a lot less manufactured stuff. I bet. And by the way, both of them are vegan. That's why I picked Oreo. Really? Vegan food. And and I guess my question would be: Do you think there's as much? Car- there's certainly more carbohydrate in an Oreo, right? More sugar and carbohydrate, maybe. maybe yeah. Uh, that, that's the nutrition facts, which are no facts um, <laughs> at all. That's it, it's so funny. We call that nutrition facts, and that's the one place where they can lie. Huh. <laughs> you know, the ingredients is where the FDA tells them they have to tell the truth. It's confusing. So, so literally, it gets back to staying with the basics. You know, things that grow on trees, grow in the ground, live on the ground. You know, are are alive at one time or another. 
right? Uh, there's, it's just yeah. we're never going to we're not improving on that. We're not. We're we're going in a bad direction. Look, Drew, when we were growing up, the fat chick maybe had an extra five pounds on her. Yeah. All right, all right, let's see here. Uh, ingredients: sugar. That's bad. That that'll cause yeah. a spike. And you have unbleached, enriched flour, wheat flour. Bad. Then we go into niacin, uh, iron. Oh, okay, so you can almost make the argument that they're about equal. Mm. One is considered a health food. Look, the first ingredient. Let me make an argument. I'll make an argument for you, Drew. Yeah. First yeah. ingredient in the Oreo is sugar. Number one. That means that you're going to get a spike and it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two is an unbleached, uh, enriched flour. That's going to give you a a, a load. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can almost make. I and it goes into high fructose corn syrup. Okay. By definition, this is probably worse. But but like anything though, but, but it, it's not it's, it would be worse probably for me as somebody who's very sensitive to carbs and insulin resistance. For sure, for me, it is bad. Uh, but for Susan, for instance, who has no resistance to any of this kind of carb stuff, the meat, the the impossible meat, could be worse for her. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Easily, mean, like um, anything in nutrition, it, it depends on the genetics of the individual we're talking about, right? We're at all the very different. least, both will cause inflammation, and we both know that inflammation is not where you want to be. Well, that's an interesting observation. So, so let's talk a little more about that. I don't remember you. Do you? I don't remember that being in the doc, or maybe I missed it or something. Is that in the doc? No, no, it wasn't because when I started out, I was trying to make a doc. When I went and shot my part, I was trying to make a doc where I was bringing both sides to the table. Mm. You know, I, I, I asked Walter Willett, I asked Dean Arnish, I asked uh, uh, Michael Greger and McDougal and several other doctors. Uh, but I, the ones I just mentioned, I put them up on screen and said, look, you know, I went out to the top guys. I went to the head of Harvard, who's a devout vegan, who is making laws that are being handed down to you by creating policy. And we've never elected him a policymaker, a politician. He's creating policy. Mm-hmm. Come on and sit down with me. Nope. No can do. Mm. Okay. Maybe I can get someone else. Michael Greger seems to have a lot to say. Nope. No way. Why do you think that Same was? with McDougal. Why? Um, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Every one of them told me they were busy that day and I hadn't given them a day. <laughs> it's like, I, I'll record whenever you want to record. And I showed their replies in the movie. I, I said, look, you know, folks, if you think I'm kidding, I was trying to get these people because all I, I'm only interested in the truth and they're not, inter- they're interested in getting their agenda out. Right. And, they were afraid that their agenda would be hurt. When I went to uh, Frederick Lacroix and uh, Dr. Mitlerner and Tony Hampton and all these guys, they all went, yes. And when I asked them to sign a release, they went, no problem. Hmm. You know, so why is one side willing to say yes and sign a release and the other side is scared to do anything? That's, that's an issue. That's weird. Have you had any feedback since the doc came out from them? Well, the doc is not out yet. So mm. I'm look, I'm already getting hate mail from the average vegan saying that this is a propaganda film, which is interesting because they're saying something is a propaganda film, yet they've never seen the film. <laughs> they, they can only see a one minute clip of the film. So, OK, uh, no one else. I don't know, Drew, you saw the film. Um, it seems pretty you, reasoned. 
seemed pretty reasoned yeah, and, and I, I wasn't lying, was I? No. I mean, as a doctor, as as a scientist, was I making up stuff? No. No. It se- it seemed like you were telling a story. And it seemed rather reasonable. And I was very interested in it, as a matter of fact. You heard me talk about our friends at Fume. That's right, smoking cessation. Whatever edge you can get to stop smoking, nothing is more important for your health. As I've told you, I'm coaching up uh, Dawson. I try to get him to stop smoking, and I gave him Fume. It replaces the hand-to-mouth sort of behavior. It's plant-packed cores, no smoke, no vape, no nicotine, no harmful chemicals. And look, giving fume is not an awkward gift. It's saying we really care about you. We don't want your life to be truncated by tobacco and smoking. With fume, you have a enjoyable, benefit-packed way to quit. Comes with new olive wood fume, unique wood grain, and in four unique flavors: Snickerdoodle, candy cane, eggnog cookies, spiced orange. Head to breathefume.com/drew. The fume is spelled F-U-M. Use that code Drew to save 10% on your order today. Again, go to breathefume, B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M.com slash Drew to get your holiday box today and start giving the gift of life, the gift of quitting smoking. That's breathefume.com slash Drew to save that 10%. Well, Calibrate works because they combine doctor-prescribed, FDA-approved medication with lifestyle changes to improve metabolic health. Yep, that's right. It is a fully integrated program combining classes, one-on-one video coaching, and an app tracking and community members like you. The earliest members lost an average of 14% of their body weight, exceeding the 10% average weight loss results seen in clinical trials. That's right. This is why traditional diets don't work. You can't fight your biology. Calibrate is different. It's a comprehensive, physician-guided, metabolic reset. They provide comprehensive wellness plan, personalization to meet your needs, and easily fit Calibrate into your busy schedule. Check in with the app as often as you like or as little as you like. Your goals are personalized and tracked by physicians and coaches. Your weight doesn't reflect your willpower. Get in control with Calibrate. That's right. Get this right with the biology. Get $50 off the one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code DREW at Join calibrate.com that's join second word c-a-l-i-b-r-a-t-e join calibrate.com that's fifty dollars off when you use the code drew at join calibrate.com but let's get back to and and it's something that sort of reinforced something i was kind of worried about i a i've thought forever that the preoccupation with cows belching which uh, because it's more convenient and more of a story to say cows farting, that somehow that captures traction more than cows belching. It's, it somehow seems more onerous. That that whole story to me seemed suspect, number one. And then number two, I, I had the weird feeling about uh, these impossible meats when I first tried it back probably four or five years ago. I was like, this can't be, can't be right. And that was before probably – I was really uh, had cut carbohydrates out of my system. I was looking more at fats then, right? And I've obviously right. adjusted, and all my metabolic parameters have improved massively since doing so. Uh, that's certainly me. By the way, Dave Feldman is out uh, with some new literature. Did you see that? He's I did. Uh, he and stuff. I have been talking, and uh, he he's coming back on the show. You might want to get him back on. Is he? Talk to you guys yet about coming I, on? I did, I did tell him I wanted him on, and his group wouldn't let him. 
the, they're being very uh, restrictive with where they let him go. The, the group that published this, which is kind of typical, it's sort of really? helping, yeah, it's kind of it, it weirded him out, but and he apparently got very heated about it with his group. Uh, but to me, it, it just I know that's how things go. That's not a big deal. Is it you being a lightning rod, or is it? I, I don't is know. You'll, we'll find out if um, you have a similar you know experience, right? Yeah, he wrote to me and said, hey, I, I have this new information. I was like, hey, man, whenever you're ready to come on. But, you know, it's oddly enough, it's been a few weeks and I haven't heard back from him. Yeah, so. I think they're making him hold for a minute before he does anything. So we'll, we'll see how okay. that all plays out. It, it does. You don't know who we're talking about. This is a guy. Dave Feldman was a, a cloud uh, um, uh, engineer, if I remember right. He was sort yeah, of a, something like that. Yeah, yeah and, and he got world. interested in sort of the – statistical analysis around lipids and he saw problems with how this was being sort of pushed and he became very involved in uh, this thing that I, I would say what Vinny's been involved with which is the the vilification of fat and the fact that fats for some people are really good and there's certain kinds of fats and there's the apolipoprotein system that needs to be paid attention to and insulin resistance may be a bigger story and he's been trying to talk me out of taking a statin forever I think, by the way, my staying on the statin has been the right thing. I, I still think, I, I still think, getting the triglycerides right and the HDL right is one piece. But there is a piece of of the low density lipoprotein for people like me that I think, I don't know. I, I this I, I'm reading literature that kind of supports that. So anyway, that's a topic for a different day, really. But. Uh, how did I get off onto this? I wanted to talk about the, the we were meat. talking about Feldman, uh, yeah, meat. and how the meats affected me and why what I was doing when I first was exposed to them. Well, in any event, I, I I've always felt I, I know what I was saying that that there was just something up. It just it's felt and, and usually when it's something's up, it's follow the money, right? There's money coming from somewhere doing this, uh, and it it's 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 disproportionate to the reality of what we should be doing. So what is – so is it China? Is that the money or is it just that this is popular and so they're taking advantage of it from a business standpoint and they're owning some politicians along the way? What, what do you think it is? There, there's some politicians involved. I mean whenever you have Kamala Harris going, hey, we're going to go with this you know, during the election, mm. you know, someone's putting you – know, Kamala Harris has no other reason to mention that in the prelims. Uh, this, is, this is not when she was running as vice president. This is when she was trying to become president. When you hear that, and of course, Cory Booker was saying the same thing, but Cory Booker is actually a vegan. So, okay, maybe he's got more, more at stake. In what sense? Unintended. But, but you know, it, so it, that all makes sense. But the thing that made me sit down and go, okay, it's time to do a movie, was when I saw that some of the biggest meat companies were dropping billions into this. And I'm talking Cargill and uh, Tyson Foods and all of the big players, you know, they they're, they see which way the wind's blowing, and they're dropping money into this. And that's when I went, okay, we, what's up? There, there's something up hmm. here, and I need to start looking into it. And it doesn't take very long to smell a rat and then find the dead rat. And what was you know, it? Well, uh, you have these multinational corporations, and this always makes me sound like a kook when I talk about this. <laughs> it almost goes into you know, Illuminati, flat earth territory, but there's these multinational national corporations who just, it's their agenda to 
make as much money as they can. Well, that's and, what they do. That's their thing, right? That's, that's their, their that's their job. And so they're like I said, follow the money. There, there's a there's a path to be followed here. And my question though is, you know, there's money on the other side too. It seems to me on on the meat side. What aren't they pouring money into countering this? They're not. They're scared of it. They're scared to do anything. They're just. They're almost like one of these husbands that get browbeaten by the wife, and then they just say, "Okay, I'm just. I'm just going to stay in my little corner over mm-hmm. here." I'm, you know, you're beaten down. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do anything, and I. Ref- so far, I've refused to take money from them because I don't want people to go. Oh, he's in their back pocket, right. because that's what vegans are saying. About- right. By the way, folks, every dime of the money I put into this. Happened to be my money. Yeah, yeah. I didn't take money from any outside sources. I funded this entire project, yet the vegans are out there going, of course, he's taking money from this. It's like, where did you get that from? Right. Well, they, they'll where do anything. Yeah. They'll, they'll say anything, and then whatever they say is what goes viral. So whatever you say doesn't matter. So yeah, the, what they exactly. say about you is what people make go viral. It's insane. But when you go, well, what's the meat industry doing? They're running scared because whatever they say, they become murderers and, you know, and, and climate deniers and everything else. And these people, they don't want that, mm-hmm. but they need to take up that fight. They really need to take up that do, fight. Do they, or, or will this sort of take care of itself one day? I, I wonder, I, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping it takes care of itself. I've noticed even before my movies come out that they're losing grip on the stock. The stock was going up and up and up. And now it's falling for both companies beyond burger mm-hmm. and impossible meat and all of it. So I'm hoping that, enough people look at the stock dropping and they're going to, you know, people, they go where the money is. They'll bail at some point. Well, I'm sure the people that run these companies feel like they're doing something good, right? They've drunk in the Kool-Aid, as we say. They drank the Kool-Aid. And who are they? What Do we know anything about the players that are in, in leadership positions in these companies? Are they are they just, are they people that come from Wall Street and finance and know nothing about nutrition and, and they just are in a good, you know, good financial position and that's that? It's hard to figure out. You know, I call it the tale of two Browns because both of the CEOs of these companies, their last names are Brown. Interesting. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you just, I think they're just financial guys taking advantage. Um, mm-hmm. And then I even showed uh, uh, James Cameron in a movie, right? And you mm-hmm. go, okay, what does James Cameron have to do with this? Well, he financed a film called Game Changes. And it's because his wife is this big time vegan. Mm. I'm not quite so sure that he's as dev- devout vegan as his wife is. Right. So you look at this and, and she just stands next to him and he, you know, he buys up a pea protein company and puts this movie out that, you know, raises the stock of the company and then he sells most of it. Now, I don't know about you, but when um, what's her name did that? They put her in jail. What was her name? Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart. <laughs> you, you can't yeah. drive up the price of something and sell the stock. I mean, it's just that's just wrong, isn't it? But no, you can't. You can't. You can't do it dishonestly. You have to just do it, and then that's capitalism, right? I mean, it's well, yeah, I, I guess it is, and and yeah. you know that's what James Cameron, uh, from what I understand, you know, had a thirty-four million dollar stake in a pea protein company, and some of that's been sold. And, you know, even he got his friends like Arnold Schwarzenegger to be in a movie. We're all big Arnold fans, right? right. And I know I am. And um, Arnold said, yeah, you know, I used to eat a lot of meat when I was a bodybuilder. Now I'm vegan. And then we found a video where right after he said that, 
he was showing his refrigerator full of eggs, cheese, meat, dairy, you know, so how vegan are you? Right. You're, which, you're, which you're by the way, I mean, day. if people want to, uh, whatever diet works for them or whatever, I, I mean, I, I'm all for it. But, and again, we, you and I have talked many times that, that clearly individual genetic makeup determines the best optimum diet for that given individual. And, you know, we have all that literature, as you well know, on, on restricting fats and animal proteins and whatnot, both from the standpoint of colon cancer and standpoint of coronary disease. All right, good. Um, why then does it become a religious preoccupation for people? I mean, again, this is this very strange world we've entered into in the last several years where there's a group of people that want to tell you how to live your life, which is such a strange and striking as a physician who's advising people how to live their life, I would never stand on high and demand people do what I tell them to do. That's, we're, we're carefully schooled never to do that. We're to help the patient shape their own decisions on these things and not, not deliver from on high because, first of all, that's usually wrong. And secondly, it's unethical. And where did this come from? And why do people like that? Why do people like doing that? And then why do people like listening to that? It's the strangest damn thing to me. We've seen it in COVID. We've seen it in climate. We've seen it now with diet. What the hell? What do you think it is? We, we as a people, we've lost our decorum. There, there used to be a certain amount of decorum. And it just doesn't exist anymore. Um, two nights ago, my wife and I were watching The Bachelorette. <laughs> And um, as is the custom, yeah. You know, what are you going to do? It's, it's gone. So go to ninety day fiance. That's what you do. You'll you'll find more more entertainment there. Anyway, but, you, I'm sort of you're watching that show, and you know, I used to watch it, and, and we don't really watch The Bachelor. I like watching The Bachelorette because I wanted to see what happened to men. And hmm. over the years, the bro code went away. There used to be a bro code, right? You know and what? I was happened. talking to a friend of mine in New York City about that. How how men will come on to other men's wives. Like, you would never do that to another guy. Would, would you forget the, forget the fact that it's, it's, it's weird and it's potentially destroying a family? There was a certain amount of, hey, I wouldn't disrespect the husband quite that, that much. That's not in the mix at all now. You, Gary, you that know, would, I mean, it's not, uh, isn't that one of the, the 10 big rules? You would think, yeah. but it's not. It's not it's, really. It's right you, there, right there in the list. Vinny's right. It's not. It's not. No, I agree. Yeah. I, I see more of it, but yeah, it's weird. But you know, when you look at it, you know, just a few short years ago, we lost the entire bro code, and the they were doing the the Bachelor where all the guys that lost they're on stage together. Yeah. The, you know, back when they had Chris Harrison on the show, it, there was a decorum. He would keep everything to a certain level. I swear to you, go pull it up and watch it. It was the Jerry Springer show. Uh. It, it became Jerry Springer. It's like, wow, this is, this is a major network. This is nighttime television. And this is what we're showing to the country. And it was literally the Jerry Springer show at night. Did they start it, fighting? It, they were fighting. There were guys getting up, getting in each other's face. There was one guy who got naked during the show, and, and security had to come out and haul him off. Why did he get naked? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not Sounds quite mania. sure. He likes the party. That's mania. That's mania. He just got – the guy was naked. I don't know what or, else to say. But MDMA. It, okay. You know, so you have all of this going on in real time on television. And I'm looking at this going, have we lost everything? 
you know, when I go to airports now, I, I, I told Adam the last time I, I came in about yeah. a month ago yeah. to do his show. I said, you know, I got on a, a flight to get here. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm the only guy that had shoes, mm. like actual leather shoes on and the so, belt. So, Southwest. Hmm? No, not so. No, I was on, <laughs> I was on Delta, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't feel like Southwest. Yeah. Um, I was the only guy with a belt, shoes, and a shirt that actually had buttons. I get it. Period. I get it. And, and you know, it's like when I first started flying, you wore a blazer. Mm-hmm. You know, remember when you used to fly in the 80s? It was like, okay, we're going on a trip. I need to find something to wear on oh, the way there. Airplanes and theaters. The airplanes and theaters. were And restaurants, too, to some extent. Right. And, and yeah. uh, no, no, no. And Adam and I have talked often about how you'd – walk on the plane and John Dron Draper would be sitting there in a tie and a, maybe his hat and his lap and you'd go, son, you know, one day you work hard, you could sit up in the front like this, like Mr. Draper does. Now it's, if you saw somebody dressed like that, you're the fucking asshole. <laughs> what an asshole. White supremacist. Yeah, and you know, I, this makes me a horrible human being, but I, I walk on planes now and I hate, I don't fly first class. I think it's ridiculous to pay that price, mm-hmm. um, but I fly that, whatever the business thing is right behind it. Yeah. And I'm walking on, looking at the people in first class going, I don't think you can afford this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, it's a waste. You, no, you, you shouldn't afford see, it. Right. You shouldn't be paying yeah. for this. I, I don't know how you ended up here, but you shouldn't be here. But, but, there but been, I've been flying quite a bit in the last couple of months, and there were fights on 20% of the flights I was on. Where, where One time we nearly got diverted, uh, where the captain came on and said, okay, now here's the deal. Listen to the you, – you've already broken federal law. From this moment forward, you must listen to every word the flight attendant says and follow it, or we're diverting. Is that what you want? You guys want? And we were going to go to Virginia. We were on our way to Florida, I think, or something. And he's like, "Oh, I was going to go to New Orleans." Seeing your Saints hat reminds me of that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we're going to we're going to go to Virginia City. You want to go there? We're, we're I have to land. I'm obliged to land. You have broken federal law. I will have to land this aircraft." And I'm like, "Okay, well, here we are." Welcome to 2021, everybody. It's the, the it's the equivalent of your parents going. I will turn this car around. Do you right want to? Yeah, I'm gonna st- do. I'm gonna pull over right now. It, was ex- it felt exactly the same. I'm gonna pull over. And by the way, people are behaving the same. And by the way, it reminds me of another topic. You're gonna like this. That Piaget is a famous developmental psychologist. And you've heard me, Gary, mention this a little bit, but but this will be useful for for Vinny. He had in late adolescence a phase called the Messiah phase. And think about your own late adolescence, like late in high school. You suddenly got interested in social issues and you were going to save the world and you were going to do something productive. That's actually a developmental stage that you move through in a healthy developmental fashion. We've gotten stuck in adolescence. We are stuck underdeveloped, as you're describing, all the unregulated aggression and stuff. And we are stuck in this particular this messianic stage. We're all messiahs. I'm going to save the. I'm saving the world. I'm gonna, from the cow gas. I'm going to save the world. That is not normal. That is not okay. It's good to be socially aware and to contribute. And by the way, the way humans actually get benefit from from service is one on one. That's actually how the human psyche develops. Happiness and well-being and a good life is one human helping another one at a time, not the Messiah standing on the on the hill, claiming from on high they're going to save us. No, 
we're going to develop carbon capture. We're going to develop fusion. We're going to develop things, and it's going to be fine. We're going to. We know this is a problem. We're going to correct it. I have no. I have full confidence. You assholes are not going to correct it. You're not going to do it. You're going to cr- probably push forces in directions that people that have financial interest are going to take advantage of, and probably not efficiently deal with this problem as well as they should. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. Yeah. You could not have said that better because that's where we are now. You know, yeah. like the, the, like like I said, the guys who are making fake meat, they're not interested in in fake meat. They're interesting and 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 just you know taking advantage of well, what you no, guys. No, I believe are I believe people that get involved in these things really do. I, I don't I don't want to give um, sinister intent into any of this stuff. I I do believe people go oh that looks I they I buy the story. It looks good to me. Hey, this meat tastes great. Amazing. I love steak. This is going to replace it. This is going to help humanity. I I believe people now when they get in deep, they can't help but have some misgivings because they will see all the stuff you showed us on the documentary. But I still believe that they're sort of they've drank the Kool-Aid, like I said. And then and then their job is to make money. That's their job. And that's what distorts the interests. So it does it. Yeah, it's, it's it's all very sad, and um, you know, I I just I, I think we're, you know, I worry about you know I have a stepdaughter, you have three kids, you mm-hmm. know, what does it look like for them? What are they going to do? You know, and, yeah, and all I I, I feel like I don't know. We we have to regain our sanity, and, and you know, I have kids that came out of college fully indoctrinated. And uh, started working in the world. I went. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, once you actually, once your reality sort of settles, you kind of look at things more realistically. And I feel like we need to mature. We need to develop. We need to be more realistic and accept reality on reality's terms, which is what health is. Mental health really is. And 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 getting caught up in re- anything that feels religious is is not necessarily good, and, except religion. Why don't you get caught up in that? That that actually might do some good. <laughs> but, but if you're displacing, they, they, you know, and not to say that religion around? hasn't done plenty of harm, it has. But it, it, it taking that religious impulse into other things, I think, does more harm. What's that, Vinny? Have your kids come around at all? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Because you, you yeah. can't help but come around because reality tells you what's real and what's not, and what's ideology, and what's bullshit, and what has not worked before. And it's like you're just real. You just look at it. So you know, I, I'm sort of I'm I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm uh, sort of anxious and depressed about everything. But I have still retain my optimism. I retain it. Yeah, I, I think I do too. You know, and and every day I, right now I go on social media and everyone's calling me a pariah. And um, Serena goes, "How do you smile when you read that?" It's like because I, I know I'm doing something right. Well, you can join me in that because I've been putting up with that for years. And so welcome, welcome. The water's warm. You say you don't like pools, but you're in the pool with me now, my friend, swimming in these waters. Swimming with Dr. Drew. So so enjoy. Isn't this fun? And yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I had a publicist once years ago who said, you know, if you're not in the middle of a shitstorm, you don't really exist anymore. And I thought, God, she is so right. She is so right. If you if you raise your head up and have an opinion, there will be a shitstorm will ensue, and that's what. It, and then Trump put a gigantic hurricane around that. So now now you have Trump derangement on top of this impulse that people already had to shit on anything that. Uh, you know, impinged on their point of view. As a doctor, as a psychologist, and, and all of that, you know, you are, do 
Did you think that the Trump derangement stuff would still be going on now? Like he's been out of office for well over a year and they're talking about it like he's still in the Oval Office. Yes, the answer is yes uh, because I mostly was was exposed to it through Corolla and through a radio show I did. I had a daily radio show for a while and every day I'd get the radio and go, I can't remember what people were freaking out about yesterday because they're on to freaking out about something else. And and it's so intense. The, The emotion was so ridiculous. That I, that I would be caught up in whatever I was responding to today and I would be unable to recall what it was yesterday that had everyone's hair on fire. It was that wow. nutty at the time. So yeah. I feel like we're better. I, like anything else, it, it decays. I mean we're a year out from people really being wild uh, on all sides. I, as a moderate person, I, I see excesses everywhere and I feel like it's settling a bit. I do. I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about that today and I thought, yeah, I think – I think it is settling. It's still insufferable. It's still a lot of insufferable stuff going on, and it's still very frustrating. But I just feel like rational discourse is sort of slowly reasserting. You're allowed to have it at least now. You're allowed to yeah. have discourse before you weren't even allowed to have it. And uh, all I care is – look, I don't care about a point of view. I don't care about an idea. I care that we all get to a better place. And if if you have any other impulse in your heart, take a good look at yourself, everybody. Uh, and that shouldn't be, uh, and you shouldn't be blaming other people for having the same thing in their heart, whether it is around diet, around political sort of policies. We just disagree on how to get there. And uh, I don't know who's right. I'm a scientist, right? And sometimes the evidence leads me in one direction or another. And so I might have a better chance of getting to the right place you know, based on objective data. But if you're just going on women ideology, just study your history books, everybody. That has never, ever worked for human beings. You know, it was interesting. I was listening to a uh, – this is a totally side topic. But I was listening to a virtue ethicist on uh, Sean Carroll's podcast, a guy that, that's on my podcast over the years. And he was saying, you know, he was making a hard case for utilitarianism. And then he said, well, really utilitarianism, when you get to the same place, when it's done right, you get to the same place as the deontologist, the people who say wow. that the people who say that morality is something that exists out there that we can have access to and that we should follow it as opposed to we should just try to do the best for the most people. You end up in the same place. And so I'm beginning to think that deontology exists because it helped people do the right thing. <laughs> and the right thing on the best scale for the most people ends up being the sort of virtue ethics around principles of morality that we've all lived by that's based on the golden rule and we should just get back to basics. And I would argue the same thing applies to diet. Let me ask you a question about what you just said. Yeah. Um, when I was in, I took a lot of psychology in college. I thought about going into that field. Hmm. Do you think humans are basically born corrupt and society corrects, or the other way around? It's it's not. It's it's you. I I caution against doing uh, you know taking an all or nothing approach to all of this stuff. We are a genetic spectrum, and some people have all kinds of genetic proclivities that make it difficult for them to function in the world and regulate in the world. Trauma adds to that massively. And it's easy to develop unregulated aggression. It's easy to develop addictions, which is a genetic thing, and in those states, do horrible stuff. 
do horrible right. things. So it's and and some people have personality disorders or actually parts of their brains that aren't turned on where they can't really understand that other people have feelings or they can't appreciate other people's priorities relative to their own. And so it all it's a big complicated soup. Uh, humans, generally speaking, humans raised well in stable families, loved and cared for, and given good education, outcomes tend to be pretty good. They do. Yeah. T- humans tend to do pretty well, but we sure can't screw them up. How about yeah, that? you know, I've always I've always had a dynamic approach to it. It's like, well, some people are just evil. Yeah, you know, we've seen the study of two twins who were separated at yeah, birth. And yeah, raised, and that, that exists. That exists. Yeah, it, it, it's real. Um, but I, I think in a lot of cases, society can correct. Um, but in this case, I think society is asleep at the wheel. Lately. And, and, Lately. Yeah. You know, so what do we We can't just tell everybody to let your freak flag fly. And I, I think giving everyone a microphone inside of one of these phones mm-hmm. is not a good thing. It's had you know, problems. I, yeah, I do. It, I'm also, though, I've said this before on many of these Corolla podcasts, I'm Hegelian at heart, which is I believe history lurches forward and then it comes back and you and you create a synthesis out of that antithesis thesis. And that synthesis usually is a better place. So it moves things forward. The problem is when you're in the antithesis, you're way out. You're way out of a line. And I would argue that we've been there for quite a little while right now. And uh, – I will leave it at that, Vinny. I, Mr. Kroll is calling for me at the present moment, and we will see. Do we need to talk about the release date relative to when this airs? Oh, it's going to be January 11th, so yeah. this will air, and either you can go get it now or it will be coming up on January 11th. Exactly. All right, VinnyTortorich.com. What about your social media? Are you on any social media? Should we look for you there? Uh, Vinny Tortorich on Instagram and right. uh, Twitter. I, I answer every question on Twitter. Not every – if you're calling me an asshole, you probably won't get an answer, uh, but – and then even those guys get answers. So, yeah, Twitter and Instagram, I'm up there and uh, just doing it all. Fitness Confidential podcast, support the this, – this, I, I humbly believe this is your best documentary for, for several reasons. Not, not, not because of the content because I thought fat may have been the more important one. Um, yeah. Because this raises – because it's executed beautifully. I love you in the storytelling role and the topic is important. I would say it's important to really take a good look at some of the things that some of this. Um, it really is challenging. It, I would argue that it's about a specific topic, but it makes you think about a lot of different topics. So I think it's well worth it. All right, my friend. Great to talk to you. Congratulations. And when I come in, we got to get together and all that. Please, 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 please. All right. Talk soon. And we'll see you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Drew.com.